Hello and welcome to another episode of Yo DMB Raps. We've got a very special set of guests today. They are two brothers in the drum and bass scene. They collaborate together under the name of Siren. They have got shows on Cool FM. They are releasing on Ram Records. They're here today to talk about their journey and what's next. Josh, James, how you doing, guys? You all right? Hello, we're good, thanks. Um, we're good, thanks. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Weather's not too brilliant, but yeah. Fucking well, joking, classic yeah. British weather, right? <laughs> it is classic British weather. It's storm, bad or whatever it's called. So it's cold, wet and windy. So nothing's changed. And you're up on the northeast coast as well. And when it gets windy and wet there, it, it fucking means business, doesn't it? Up there. Yeah, yeah. So actually, yeah, we're on East Anglin. Yeah, East. Well, we're te they technically class us as East Midlands, but yeah, we're on the east coast. East coast. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it can get chilly. It is nice, chilly. nice little holiday spot though. I'm I'm very uh, very familiar with the surroundings there. Um, I work in Hull, and my mom and dad actually live in Skegness now as well. So. You, you guys are basically love Skegness. Aren't you? We love Skegness. We, we go there all the time. That's, that's one of the reasons why we moved to where we are, because we're a bit close <laughs> to Skegness. I'll be on, we can be on the seafront now from our house to the seafront in just under an hour. So, uh, yeah. I think there's no tractors on the road. Well, I, I kind of grew up going there on holiday. I'm from Sheffield originally. And um, obviously that was the, the whole family would go. It was like the holiday destination. We'd go a couple of times in the summer. And then you loved it that much. My dad bought a caravan. I got a big static van. And then you're going three or four times a summer. And then when me and my sister left, my dad's like, come on, we'll fucking move into Skegness. But <laughs> to my mum. So they're there now. My sister's there, her children, uh -huh. her husband. So I get to go up quite a lot. It is uh, it's one of those kind of um, brings a lot of nostalgia back to you. Yeah, you know, I think you know. it's the same for us. We used to uh, we used to go. We used to go there a lot on holiday and and go there with our, our mum used to take us our dad used to be he preferred Hans Danton so for the people that don't know if you go to Skegness where the if you look at the shape of the country and you go to the east coast where the wash is you've got Skegness at one end and Hans Danton at the other so on a good day you can stand at Skegness look across the sea and you can see Hans Danton so yeah so best of both worlds well yeah we used to yeah we go to Skegness a lot uh, and then with our dad, we used to go to Hunstanton, and I'll prefer Skegness. Oh, yeah. I think it's more to it, but Hunstanton's nice. But yeah, Skegness is, we love it. So every time we go, it's, it's that nostalgia. And it's really funny, like, um, when we talk to people about, oh, yeah, we're just another day at Skegness. And they're like, you go all the time. So we do. And we, we go when it's quiet. Last year we went and it was snowing on the way. Brilliant, perfect. <laughs> we're, people say we're crazy, but we just go when it's, yeah, going the off season. It's nice. And I spent I spent a New Year's Eve in Skegness as well one year. So that was yeah. I think like twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. It wasn't too long ago. And I had an ice cream at half five in the evening when it was pitch black and it was amazing. My my New Year's Eve adventure there was DJing at Fantasy Island. They had a big rave mm -hmm. event on around mm -hmm. twenty I think when was it? 2010 last time i did oh, wow. so we we got on a roller coaster at midnight and everything like oh, that. Nice. that was quite fun freezing your fucking balls <laughs> yeah it was a crazy one and obviously you got chapel st leonard's that's where where my mom and dad are with the do you remember the robin hood camp yes, yes. Robin Hood yes. Club and things that's all still going but it's yeah we, we tend not to go in the winter because 
it's a bit of a ghost town, isn't it? It's just full of old people, nothing there, nothing open. You know what I mean? It's like off the, um, what's that movie now? Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. You know, where they live. It's like that. <laughs> it's winter lot. Yeah, there, there does get to a point where it is, yeah, quite quiet. And to people who don't know Skidness, I'll always say you've got to go. It's difficult to, it's unique. Let's, I'll just say that it's unique, but brilliant. So you, you love Skegness just as much as I do. So why the hell are you living in Spalding then? Why don't you just move there? <laughs> well, for us, it's, uh, if we wanted to, I think the thing is, if we move to Skegness, we get bored of it. Yeah. It's, it's the, I think it's keeping Spoils the, it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the fact is the, the drive there and the drive back. And also, I think if you're at Skegness and, and you want to sort of go around, we spend a lot of time down in London. So imagine that it would add good few hours more onto the journey where we are um we're not too far away from london really not um, really no what two hours we can actually yeah we can get into the middle of london for, for two yeah. hours so um no we're, we're pretty happy being based based here yeah we're sort of halfway point yeah yeah fair enough and and that is that's probably one of the reasons why i never moved there as well it it killed me off. I'm a big city boy, really. You know, I like that to visit. It's a nice place. To yeah, visit. yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. So get let me get this right then between you both. Which one's Josh and which one's James? I am Josh. And I am James. And there's one year difference between your age yeah, group yeah, as well. Yeah, so I am the older one. James is the younger one. And if you're, I run all the socials account as well. So if you're ever speaking to the Siran DMB social account, uh, you're speaking to me although james does see the message and he's got you've got access to the account you see yeah. the messages but it's just and and very occasionally i will stick my head on the camera and you, I, you will see me on an instagram post you let him out i'll let him out <laughs> <laughs> so you but you both do the djing and producing together oh, don't oh you? yes yeah, yeah. the journey yeah so what i mean growing up together obviously in peterborough i believe you were saying um, yeah yeah What's it like growing up with a sibling so close in age range? I mean, you're, you're working together now, so it can't have been that bad. But, you know, what are some of the big rivalries probably you had to deal with growing up with each other? I don't think we had much rivalries because we always sort of seemed to get on. I think we were both interested by similar music tastes, which I think helped. Yep. Um, so we both liked similar sort of music. And I think, um, yeah, I would write starting up when we were younger we got in really early i i was definitely wanted to do the music as a kid growing up i was like yeah i want to be i want to be a famous music producer uh, and all that so i i did, did that at college but so i sort of took the lead on that but then seeing i think f for me it was i would write music but then james would write his music as well he got into it and it was cool to just sit listen to what each other write Yes, I guess I looked at what Josh was doing and I could do something better. And uh, <laughs> um, to be honest, though, we didn't start off writing the same type of music. So I guess when I really first initially started, I guess I quite liked house, electro sort of thing. And then I had a phase in the sort of around 2012 to 2015. I liked was it when the dubstep scene was pretty big I had I had a hand in that which was quite I quite enjoyed it to be honest but I think in terms of moving to drum and bass I think I moved to drum and bass first because you were writing more hard house yeah. hard dance but then you but then you sort of 
switched, yeah. switched to drum and bass and then we both were making drum and bass music at this time it was we was kind of working we were working together but it was more we were writing our own tunes but then once the tune was 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 produced it was kind of i would probably go straight up what do you think to this so that we weren't really working though we weren't really working together at that point but then at some point yeah we did start then actually writing tunes together i think mainly it was like christmas time was was, was always a good i can just remember so between the christmas uh like when you take like the work days off you have the that week between Christmas and New Year. We used to get loads done, and we used to write loads of tunes in that period. So your alternative, um, your sorry, not alternative, your your own cinemas, your names is Ransom and Sinforce. Did you separately have any actual releases in any music job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had yeah. So um, we did have separate releases. So yeah. I before I did drum and bass, I did all sorts, but I then stuck with like hard dance, happy hardcore. I even have a phase of writing donk music, which is it's I'm really sure, I'm sure I've heard of yeah, and releases yeah. for our dance. So yeah, so so that was it. And then uh, and then I did some drum and then and and yeah, and I did I'd always written drum and bass on the side, but not too much. And then we did have single releases on our own as drum and bass, um, yeah. on various label. We had a couple of home labels and we and that we used to write tunes for. Shout out to Default Recordings, yeah. based in Milton Keynes yeah from someone that we know and then i think it was in inner rhythm was another yeah. um label that we earlier on we started we just i didn't want to when when you're getting into drum and bass it's very it was very easy to or we weren't sure you, you're stepping into a new genre for the first time i always have this habit and mentality of just take it one step at a time and try and uh, surround yourself with people who uh, know who are in a similar position to you potentially or just sort of keep it to one or two labels and we did we we some i can't remember because it was quite a long time ago but i think we just at the right time we found these labels that were just starting and then we sort of we built up a relationship with them so yeah we had a uh single releases and then we started writing tunes together under dj ransom and synthforce we yeah. did a few eps didn't we mm -hmm. and then we were starting to yeah right just generally just write more together and i think it's just slowly built up we spent a lot of time doing more liquidy drum and bass yeah um yeah i i, I still like sort of the, like the atmosphere mm, and, the, and yeah. the, the type of sounds as much as you know with siren we are known for sort of big beats big basses is that I still like to incorporate some of the stuff that I used to do ages ago of like the I'm really into my pads and my atmospheres and the and the sort of the effect side of things. Yeah, it's it's quite weird actually because the new obviously the the Siren project is a different name, but there's still a lot of sounds and and things that we do that we've always done. And and if you go if you ever wanted to go back and listen to our older tunes under our uh, solo names you there's probably little hints things where you could probably hear this the early forms of the the style that we do now uh, i mean the the rip groove bootleg is a perfect example was originally written in 2015 mm. under our old names uh, and that was at the time we were just we wanted to write something a bit more we we quickly realized that writing liquid is great but um 
for music to be played out and about we wanted to sort of go into more jun uh, jungly vibes in drum and bass because yeah and then we just i remember writing that uh, we spent a good week writing it i think it took took us three days just to do the vocals i was about to say it was that i remember the vocals taking an absolute edge but the but the track itself was um yeah it was written quite quickly and it was one of them and and you look at it now however 2015 so what, eight years eight years on and it's, it's it's massive like everyone's playing it and it's an example of a tune that just sort of simmered away and how just well it's the, it's the vocal in it i mean that's that's a forever tune i yeah. when i play garage sets i play the original every yeah set. we love the original just one of those tracks, and, isn't it? yeah it is and, and i think that's what we wanted to do with that as an example of a of a track is we wanted and this ethos that we still have today when we do bootlegs is we want to keep it close to the original but just change it up so it works at drum and bass speed or add their own little thing and yeah it's uh we knew when we made the tune i love playing it all the time gave it to a few people and it just I, in our early gigs that we did uh i'd play it out and it would always go down well and and we were like we knew we were on to a, a good tune but at, at the time we were we were pretty much unknown mm -hmm. and then the story is that um gray and cara found it because we initially it got put out as a free download on a, a soundcloud page or mm -hmm. something yeah and then that page went closed up but then it got leaked onto dmb share or something and then i think like cara and gray found it and then they were playing it all the time and then they are there are two people that for an example that and then they they got they i wouldn't say blow up but they deservedly got bigger and bigger and they were playing it out and then it just sort of spiraled from there really um and then yeah and then in the i think in the last three years it's and once people start hearing it and realizing it was us then we were getting messages about it um and yeah so we actually then i went back to it tweaked it ever so slightly just to bring it up to our sort of at the time slightly modern production i didn't change it that much there wasn't anything added it was just the mix down and then at that point it was like right so when people were asking i was giving them this update and then we decided um that to then yeah we then decided to we'll put it out as a freebie ourselves when when i was getting messages about it, it then you had people like lens playing it then the dmb all-stars on the 360 sets and once you once it got into that sort of with the newer generation of djs and ravers it was everyone was just asking oh i was getting messages every week going can i have this tune love this tune love this tune <laughs> and it's, it's a really good story and i love it it makes you so happy because we wrote it i wrote it when i was in a in a small box room in a yeah. in a uni flat when i was at uni so yeah no it's, it's, a, it's a great bootleg it is i mean obviously i heard it for the first time on instagram and only commented and next thing i know it's in my inbox so thank you for that but yeah it's been it's been played a few times it's definitely one of those but i'm yeah. glad you i'm glad you bring up bootlegs because this is one of the one of the main things i actually wanted to speak to you about it's like a talking point that really came to mind is is what your impression is of bootlegs because you guys and your sets on your radio shows you are you love the bootleg sounds obviously you're putting a lot of bootlegs in your sets you're doing a lot of the mashups as well with the vocals yeah. but i wanted to ask you with bootlegs 
do you see anything that's damaging in music to them and do you also can you name some of the the bigger benefits as well that you've seen from it you may have answered that last one a little bit but just want to see both sides of the coin from, from your opinion yeah i think it's a it's an interesting one because i think now with how there's a lot more producers coming in and, and with production and the technology now it's um i, I think it's it's really good to like say when just to have something in your sets to complement your dj sets or just to give it out to a few people i think it can be damaging um it depends every i think this is down to everyone sees a bootleg slightly differently and for us i think is we've got to you've got to do a bit of prep and research one of the first things we do if we come up with an idea for a bootleg is i'll google to see if it's already been done if it's already been done and it's a good enough version don't bother there's plenty of other tunes and, and, and there's things that I have seen where you where there is a track that maybe go big and then you see 12 or 15 bootleg versions and you just think <laughs> it's happening all the time now it's very hard to get away yeah, from yeah so we used to we used to play a game where you go on YouTube and it was a drinking game and you tell somebody a track and you had to type the title of the track in YouTube with the word dubstep at the end and if, <laughs> and if there's a if there's a bootleg of it you have a drink well guess yeah. what we're all paralytic by the like, <laughs> ten because there's a there's a bootleg of everything in, in dubstep. But yeah, yeah. it goes back then to what we said of what of how we make bootlegs is that we like to keep it to the uh sort of keep it to the original, but just kind of put our twist on it, sort of something that's similar. And I think with then the twelve to fifteen bootlegs, then if they all come out very quickly, is that all they've done is kind of taken the build-up of then the original track and then they've had a half finished project somewhere of oh i've made some beats and i've made some bass and i don't know what to do with it and they've kind of just slapped them both together yeah and um that's that to me is like for for a bootleg is it's like what's the point kind of thing <laughs> is yeah. that it, like the drop sounds nothing like the original track or the original and you just think and i think that's almost to me i, I feel like that's like what what's what's the point mm, i think yeah yeah i think and the thing is is bootlegs can be damaging but i think um a well produced bootleg can work wonders um and we've seen it before it's happening more than ever that actually people are doing bootlegs and they're doing really well and then the original labels are seeing this and then they're going oh actually we'll turn it into an official remix or a lot there's a lot of or, big tracks out there that's done that or it turns into a cover so it what starts as a bootleg then they uh re-record the vocals or whatever and then it gets released as a cover version i mean that that's that's been happening a lot um lately there's loads of examples of that um but so yeah i think bootlegs are here to stay and they all and to be fair they always have been it's just a digital version of what uh what you'd get on a white i've got some white labels that just say drum and bass remix and they were limited run copies of bootlegs but they sound they sound to me they sound brilliant and i think there'll always be boot you'll always get this split of is is a is a bootleg worth it and i think yeah it's it, it's down to the producer and i think when inspiration is low bootlegs can be very good to just Get you back on there but at the same time i think you've got to um i always say if we're going to bootleg a tune then we just uh you go with the mindset of i'm going to ruin this original tune 
because sometimes it, it can happen with this bootlegs that I've done that uh, I will that I'll never play because they just didn't quite work out all these bootlegs I've done um, that just weren't quite right we don't I don't write the bootlegs instantly they I think some of them take a, the idea is been there for a long time like a year uh, and then it's just making sure that you've got to get it right uh, or I'll write down the idea and then spend time because you yeah and you can do some digging as well especially it's a lot better if you've got remix parts uh, available yeah. or or now with the with the technology of like the artificial intelligence the ai stuff you can you can do a lot more than with just the original which is what is what we've been doing and and all you replaying uh, a lot of the parts yourself so yeah and I think we do bootlegs in waves uh, or uh, yeah we do bootlegs in waves uh, so and then just have a few and, and give them out to people and have them for our sets so this year we've done sort of three or four doing the rounds yeah. we've been doing trance tunes um, and yeah and again it's it's trying to fuse something together that's mm. um, yeah like trance with drum and bass um, but again, not every tune works at drum and bass speed. That's no, the no. hardest thing. Um, but it's good. It's, it's good fun actually, and it's just something different. And like I say, I Google first, and if it, it hasn't been done, then we go brilliant. Yeah, right. There's something we can tap in. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think, I think bootlegs. Yeah, um, there can be too much, and I think there's times where actually, if if you do a bootleg take out all the bits that are the bootleg of the track and see if you can turn it into an original track because yeah. originals are always labels can sign originals labels can't sign bootlegs yeah uh, so well, there's, think, yeah there's a there's a big opinion about it at the minute going around the internet i mean obviously as we know if you're into drum and bass you've heard badder done and within days of that track being releasing there was there was a few remixes going about a few bootlegs mm. and um yeah, by the yeah. looks, one got played a few times at Let It Roll, and I think Jason Staters were actually online posting about how they weren't happy about it as well. But again, it's, I mean, how do you look at it? Like I say, is, if you're remixing another genre, should that fall into the thing that you shouldn't do it? Or is it because it's the same genre mi mixing into that genre again? It's too soon. I guess there's a lot of proverbials to it, isn't there? There's yeah. There's a lot of angles to why you should or shouldn't. I mean, personally, I love bootlegs. I think you know they they definitely benefit both people. They benefit the original artist, and they benefit obviously the artist that's doing them. But I still get the counter argument as well. You know. Yeah, I do. Why, I think. Yeah. Why have you done the badder than bootleg? Yeah. What's the why? Why have you done it? Is it because yeah. you want to ride the the hype train and try and get as much views and exposure? Then no, yeah. you shouldn't be. Or is it yourselves who's bringing a new tune, who's bringing an old tune into a different genre? That's, uh, that's a different. And then if you've, gone, if you've listened to Badadan and you've gone, I could do a better version, then maybe. But then Badadan is yeah. very. It's it is a good tune, you know, and to then make it from a good to like a better is would be very difficult. I yeah. think. Uh, I think like. I know there's a lot of I want to use Tapho as a the TC Tapho as a, an example, like the AMC remix of of Tapho. That I, to be personally, I thought Tapho the original was banging, and then the AMC remix came out a few years later, and yeah, that was great. But to be honest, 
I'll actually still play the original in my sets. Yeah. Uh, not because I don't think it, like the AMC remix is, is no, bad. It is a good remix, but I just don't think it. It doesn't add to it, does it? It's just a different it take on it, really. Yeah. yeah that's the remix that's been asked. And I think this is the thing is, um, yeah, the, the, the whole bags and thing is, it is, it's really, I can see both sides. And I do think we have this in drum and bass where we have these unwritten rules. And I think that the new generation coming in, or the younger generation, they, they want to, they sort of look at these rules, inverted commas, and go, why? And to be honest, I can see where they're coming from. Um, like, we do have these unwritten rules that we all follow. Yeah. It's just been passed down. And personally, uh, for me, I wouldn't bootleg a drum and bass tune. It's like... It's like it's like crapping on your own doorstep there's so much music out there yeah it's look, look elsewhere in other genres and, and and fuse them together because you may i think it's seeing something the original artist may actually like it um yeah. it's if think, you've got a great yeah. idea for it go ahead if you're doing it just for the sake of doing it to ride the wave then i guess it falls into that ladder of probably going to piss people off generally <laughs> yeah, yeah and, we, and, and to be fair i think that's another thing as well was it's always good to i think um see if you like with social media now more more people are accessible than ever and people will respond so if you were doing a bootleg of a drum and bass true tune send out reach out to the original artist before you put it upload it everywhere and go public um with our rick groove bootleg, we actually did try and reach out but we never got anywhere with that um and i think yeah it is i think yeah it's always worth reaching out and it's the same we did some we've done some remixes and we've tried reaching out and sometimes you don't yeah you may not get anything back but it's always make the effort and then go i do think that yeah people potentially they get excited and i don't blame them you've got this bootleg and you're really happy and you just want to get it out there and and i think it's the rushing in can just cause but then, um, then it also is kind of who's the first to do it as well and that mentality can also then brush things and then you're not going to have the time to go to the reach to the original artist and ask we've done this what do you think of this because by then someone who hasn't reached out to them has already posted it yeah i do feel like people are thinking it's a race but it's not it's not a race in writing music shouldn't be a race and if it is it, yeah it's, it's yeah. it should always be quality not quantity. Over quantity yeah absolutely can't agree more with you boys i think um i think for myself with the bootlegs it, it, it's got to be like you say the right one if you if you're picking a track out because you've got a great idea for that track go ahead and do it let's see what happens especially if it's from another genre that's always going to be a plus point as well. But yeah, remixing a drum and bass track that's just come out for the sake of remixing it into drum and bass again, just to ride that wave, it it kind of it, it shows a little bit of disrespect in a way, can't you? So that unwritten rule, mm. I guess, is is kind of played into. It's, or it's just got to be really it. It's got to be almost impossibly good in order, yeah. for, like, for in order for it to be like better than yeah. the original. So let's yeah, go back to. Yeah. Go on. Sorry, what were you saying? No, no. I'm just saying it's it's all there. We could have this conversation for hours, and and everyone will have their own opinion. And I think it's easy to get caught up with it. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you want to do something, go and do it. If yeah. people don't like it, then people don't like it. I don't like. It's like tunes. Not everyone's going to like the tune. And if you don't like it, and there's tunes that I may not like, but I can appreciate why they're there. And and you will, as long as you 
find you will find people who like it and just keep going and yeah but then also then another perspective of it is from the raver of if a bootleg absolutely just makes the crowd go nuts surely is it isn't it the ravers who make who decide yeah what's good and what's not and we can sit here and just argue about it but if 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 the ravers love it mm. do we make more of it absolutely yeah. Well, I want to go back a little bit, just jumping off yep. the subject of bootlegs. I think we've covered everything there we could with it, absolutely. But I want to talk about um, how you actually got into producing as well. Um, because from what I understand, Josh, you went to uni and you did some music studies there as well. But you didn't, did you, James? No, no, I didn't at so all. What I wanted to ask is, with yourselves, were you learning music before you went to university, Josh? And what what was your what was your in with the music james if if he was away doing that and learning extra skills there what were you doing were you just learning for yourself so i uh we got a family friend who writes music uh 100% on synths and hardware uh and i was always fascinated every time we go around to see him i was always fascinated by um his setup um i went round i wrote my first track finished piece when i was 10 years old I've still got the CD somewhere in a box. And then from then on, I was just like, wow, I loved it. I've always loved music. Uh, and then, um, yeah, uh, our stepsister, um, she got she got given a keyboard for Christmas once. Uh, she didn't use it. I did. I used it all the time. I'd, ja I'd jam along to, to tracks that I like, try and work out what the chords were for riffs. And I'd sit and write my own tracks i mean they weren't very good i was like a kid 10 11 12 years old or whatever and then it just sort of got from there i learned basic um yeah basic music theory when i was at school uh and then yeah when i got into the uh family computer had like music making software had like dance ej i think it was and yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, basically like so, that the playstation one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it was like, it, sony yeah. acid or yeah, yeah or something and i remember like as a kid i used to just make these tracks by putting down the blocks of pre-made loops but it was the idea if you're building something and then it sort of got and then it just sort of got bigger and bigger and then uh yeah i got given uh yeah got uh i got given for christmas or birthday or, uh, my own laptop and then yeah pretty much started with um fl studio uh, as a kid um I, yeah obtained a copy let's just say because i think I, I, I couldn't afford it at the time and just started making music and that's all i wanted to do and make music so i and i was learning at the time um i'd say the internet was okay i would go on the internet and try and look at like music production tutorials but this was early days i'm talking this is like 2006 2007 so we used to buy computer music magazines every month you get the samples on the disc uh, still got some and yeah i've got i've got a really box full of mine in the drawer yeah, there. Oh, we, got box, yeah. Well. we still use the samples they're really good actually um and yeah and then so we used to i used to do that and read about music production techniques and just apply it um and then just slowly just the, the more i did it the more i did and then at that point i was like, right yeah i want to do music uh at college so um yeah i did music technology at college and then went on to do music technology at uh, university level so uh, yeah before i did college i was sort of actively writing music i mean at that point i was about 14 15 that was when i made the decision yeah i, I want to do this proper seriously i want to i can really want to invest time 
in it. And I, I loved it. And yeah, I always used to write tunes, show them to my mates. Um, it was good fun, all sorts. And then, yeah, it's just sort of spiraled from there, really. Blaring donk music really loudly in a tight lupo going down the parkway. Yeah, oh, yeah, now. yeah. Well, that was DJ. Yeah, as well as the production, I was DJing. We had some like basic MIDI controllers, and I was just wanting to mix as well. Uh, so, yeah, so I was mixing from a young age, DJing and, and producing. I used to do mix CDs for my mates every time they got a new car. Here's a mix CD, burn them on. I think my mates got one. He's got one, uh, an old, really old one that I've still got. And yeah, and it just sort of, that's what I loved doing as a kid. Yeah, so for me, we've absolutely, did never played an instrument, never really had any music knowledge. I didn't do music outside from the bog standard sort of school when growing up, year set, like secondary school. Um, so, and then for me, it was, um, you gave me almost the, like another version of FL Studio. And I guess I was more, at the very start, I was more like a monkey banging away at a typewriter when coming to music. But the one thing that we still were speaking to each other, so Josh would show me some tricks and stuff. So you'd he, show me what a compressor is, because I didn't know what a compressor was. How does a compressor, what is it? What's EQ? I didn't yeah. actually know what EQ was. And it was, um, and you you showed me a lot of things but then along with going going back to the music uh, tech magazines um in there there were pretty much every month they then had how to basically how to be better how to make better music and there were some follow-on things like okay here's how to make a reverb kick drum or something and it will literally be like a step-by-step -step guide in these magazines on how to do this and this is I guess before now where if you're you know you're struggling to make a a massive bass sound or something mm. in serum or massive or whatever and you can just simply type into youtube how to make it and then you can probably put in how to make it sound like x artist as well no doubt someone's done a youtube video of that and it's like a step-by-step -step guide on on how yeah. to do it but for me well for me then it's just sort of very like taking it as face value of just following instructions it, it, for me i was also kind of thinking okay i couldn't explain to you why if i tweaked something it would change the sound but it was sort of remembering okay if i do this this is kind of what happens and then i then went into more djing really i still produced but not as much as you mm. i went into more djing and there was like an online uh site oh, yeah. that was called that was called mixify yeah. and um it was way ahead of its time actually looking back at it now but basically it's like it was Twi it was almost like a version of twitch where you had the, you had room it was rooms mm -hmm. uh, video and audio feed and you could stream online and i and to be honest it was an american website and a, there was not many uk uh people on that site to start with and so when we started actually playing drum and bass i think no one had ever heard yeah. of it in like stateside and i still liked a lot of house music and electro and stuff so i still kind of played the mix but it was for me that period of like 2012 2011 2012 to like 2014 15 i was very big into the djing side of things and i got pretty good at djing then but then i sort of that site got closed down 
um and then i sort of then we started working on more music together at that point so from from 2015 almost making more the liquid side of things for a few years and then come 2018 when we were then discussing with Ram and at that point when we changed our names from Synthforce and DJ Ransom it was then right Siren and that was almost like a, a a clean slate fresh start that right we've done all of our liquid tunes and stuff and jungly stuff or before right with a new name we're going to create a new like our sound and that's how then we went into more we want to write music for clubs at 2 a.m in the morning and so we're making hard-hitting high energy beats bass music and jungle but yeah it's really good like james just talking about it, it's made me like oh wow because i think that's when we really got into drum and bass we were like right yeah i'd say it was i always loved drum and bass as a kid i remember like games that had drum and bass in it and it was really cool and like and sort of the early noisier um stuff and early calyx like moving shadow album uh, but then it was sort of, I'd say, yeah, 20, 2010 was when we were like, right, we were getting into drum and bass. And we, and the thing is, is, we we didn't know much about drum and bass artists and labels. So we used to buy all the compilation albums at the end of the year from like Drum and Bass Arena. And you'd pick out all the tunes. Yeah, on the CDs. Oh, James is about to pull out loads. Here we go. All right, take your pick. Take your pick. Yeah. So we've got. 2019 so, yeah like all of these and so and you'd get all the you'd get like all the single track versions <laughs> um and it was a way for us to to be introduced to all these artists that we didn't know and then from there it was like yeah. an open rabbit hole straight down right we love this artist okay what label are they signed to and we pretty much used to we used to buy so much music to to do these drum and bass sets how djs acquire music start with compilation albums you just play a fiver you get 60 tracks pick off the ones that you like and i love it and that's that's how we got into like doing like radio shows and stuff and it all sort of spiraled from there yeah and sort of i think we've segued in quite nicely <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah those dmb arena albums were fantastic i mean when those were coming out i was going to the dmb arena events in sheffield when mm. i was younger because i used to have them at the gate crasher club and I used to pick the albums up now. I wasn't a massive fan of drum and bass then, but um, it gave me my first inkling of what the artist names were and, and things like that as well. Yeah. So coming up then, who were the first artists that you really started to love in drum and bass, do you think, that got you into it? So, yeah. Shout out to Pendulum for the first CD of Hold Your Colour yeah. back in 2005. Now, the early noisier stuff, Calyx, uh, Moving Shadow, uh, album no turning back because that was on the computer game uh the need for speed yeah like midnight club three yeah. uh all the tunes off that so there was like early blame stuff calyx dom and roland that was what we really sort of got started in and then the drum and bass arena albums allowed us to get into artists like total science um also then the, obviously the ram yeah the ram andy c and then ram wilkinson sub focus i mean i've still got some old videos that sub focus did on the computer music from like 2008 they were brilliant i've learned so much off them yeah so yeah but the nightlight andy c nightlight yeah, night series also with the hospitality uh yeah ones as well so one of the 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 big artists i look up to very early on was like danny bird with 
Supersize being yes. the first album. Yeah. So that for me was really, I was a, a massive, massive Danny Bird yeah. fan. Yeah, I remember hearing Red Mist on the radio for the first time, Radio 1 in 2008. And I had it cranked up. My dad come running up the stairs, can't turn that down. It was, and I'd never heard bass like it. It was unreal. See, I think 14, 15 year old me going nuts to Red Mist. Do you remember what? the um the front cover CDs you'd get as well from like Mix Mag and DJ? Yes, Mac? there was a high so, one. Yeah, there was a so, so my, DJ rap as well. So my mate, schoolmate, gave me. He was like, because he knew I was into drum and bass. He was like, "Oh, Josh, you may like this," and it was John B's Trance and Bass. Oh, that's a brilliant album. Yeah, that's, that's the best front cover CD album. Yeah, yeah. Ever. I, I think that 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 mix pretty much. Yeah, that was like the start. I, the the first tune, Electro Freak, epic mix. Takes three minutes to get in, but I've never heard a Reese line like it. And it's 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 moments like that, and it just gets you into the rabbit hole. And then before you know, it, and then you just you go, oh, I like this artist. So I, it's difficult to say like specific artists. Um, but it's just this whole world. You, you, it was like we'd opened up. But the thing is, as well, we, should, we came in quite late. So you, you open up in the mid two thousands or the uh, sort of the, the sort of late two thousands. But then the first thing we think of is right. Actually, let's look at the history. Let's go backwards and how it started. Jungle, original Nutter. I do remember that. And and then you, and then we're going through all this the jungle and we're like oh this is amazing breakbeats being absolutely mashed up yeah and um, basslines I remember and then I bought so much good looking records yeah. because uh, like from LTJ Bookham and uh, MC Comrade uh, old Blue Mar Ten was on there as well and that's how I sort of come across Blue Mar Ten as well so yeah. um, what was there. Uh, first album called like 2010 i don't know it's probably up it's CD. probably up on there somewhere um but, but, but yeah. yeah jungle yeah so we went back to go and, and actually research the history because it's fascinating it's something that i really love doing i love finding out about how how drum and bass is today and where it started and yeah and artists and, and stories about how tunes were made how like they were pressed up yeah it's really interesting really interesting i love it um and that's something i've always sort of yeah and it's allowed you to find out about the genre and then the more we know about it and then the names that we recognize and then it just sort of goes from there so yeah it's like say the hospital yeah ram all the big labels big shogun audio all the big labels is where undoubtedly you're gonna find yourself drawn to to start with and then once you're in it's then right where if you start with a subgenre or you find it then you go even further and there's so much and then you go to like oh about critical yeah maybe samurai recording it's just sort of sort of fairly drum and bass is huge it's a massive yeah. genre there's only um, house techno and drum and bass that's like that as well isn't there there's not many yeah, other genres that have that amount of depth when it comes so to much the and there's time and tracks that are timeless, but then gems that you can play that we do in our sets, tracks that are over ten years old that you can play, people won't remember, won't recognise them, and they'll go, "Oh wow, this sounds like a new tune." You're like, "No, it's not. This is just a, 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 a gem from 2012 from Spy that. or whatever." And it's like, and drum and bass is, is. I remember a tweet that someone put out to say, "If you want to." Um, instead of playing dubs just play tunes that are from 2012 today and people won't have heard of it and i'll be honest 
that's the yeah, that's the mentality that we've been doing for the last because that these those were the tunes that we started playing mm. mixing mm -hmm. um so yeah it's a, a dj a siren dj set will have tunes from over 20 years because yeah. I, I can't play all new tunes i like older tunes and there's tunes that some tunes stand up really well some tunes don't stand oh, up I well, tested but... though as well into you've got to think if they, they are older and they're released they're mm -hmm. very much more than likely tried and tested yeah, i have exactly. a similar method with that and one of the ways i kind of do a similar thing to you guys is my hard drive the way when i when i when i grab a track download it or get it on dub or whatever it gets categorized and at the end of the the title of it so it's artist title label i put the year and i do tend to have a skip through my hard drive every time i have a gig and look at just random years or random labels just to remember yeah. something there so it's easier to search and oh, i'm going to drag that in I, I i think recently i found um do you remember nero who were big dubstep acts yes from a yeah. base um there was a satisfy tune and there was an audio bootleg of it. oh yes I, I had a copy of that and I'm like, i haven't played this in nearly 10 years and I started with it at a Neuroids event and I had a, a, like message after message after set. What the fuck was that bootleg at the beginning of the set? And like you said, yeah, so it's about 10 years old, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. And there's so much music. Um, we do like when we're DJ, we do have the and we're doing gigs. We do have this. We like to be hard on ourselves about we have strict rules on what we on what we do. And uh, we sort of I came up with the idea, but so the rule that we have for when doing gigs is apart from us our own tunes we limit only one tune from one artist so it means that because it's very we don't want to play all the shock all the yeah. same focus i don't want to play five and it, it makes it difficult because it means there's that is of, difficult that's very it, difficult it, <laughs> but, but it also means that we have to go looking for tunes so it, and it's nice because every it's, you've got all these artists tracks that you're playing some some new some old but then it means like if, for example you take someone like subfocus for example straight away there's five or ten tunes i'll go yeah i'd love to play that but it, it also allows you to sort of rotate in and out and it means that every gig that we play is is going to be slightly different or there's combinations that we that we've practiced and tried tested that we know that were and it's just good because it's like you'd be amazed at how fast the owl can go in this and it's like oh it's brilliant but i've paid only five artists tunes and i just yeah. think it's yeah so it, it, a rule like that obviously we'll play loads of our own tunes but it, i i like that because it means as a mm. as, as djs we're having to look you've got the, all this massive library of tunes that we'd like play them yeah and then it means you can play more it reminds me of a bit of a, i mean going back to what you said about old tunes being to a lot of people they don't recognize them they think they're new and that's obviously the new generation of drum bass coming in i mean it reminds me of a funny a very funny tweet that that went viral not too long ago where um i think a couple of years ago kanye west did some sort of collaboration with paul mccartney okay. and there was a few there was a few tweets and posts of kanye fans saying isn't kanye great for helping this new artist to come through and <laughs> It went absolutely viral. So it's a, it's a similar thing, but it, I, I thought it worth mentioning that because I thought it but was it's, uh, it's absolutely hilarious. I like it. I, I think it it's good because when the new generation or, or people that find tunes that they love and then they don't, they've never heard them before and you think, oh, it's, and then you tell them 
And then the hope from me is that they do what I did. They go, oh, I love this tune. Oh, I didn't know it was releasing this shit. And then you, and then they go down the rabbit hole and you're sort of, you're educating and opening them up to uh, sort of research and find tunes for themselves rather than other people telling them what tunes they should like. And I do feel that with the way social media works, it, it can be very easy to, if, if a, a tune from a popular artist is being shared and reposted, or whatever, you feel like you're being spoon fed it a little bit and you feel like you have to like it. Whereas if, if you sort of, you take that on board, but then you go and research yourself, you then find this palette of, of music, this whole catalog of music that you like. And the idea be is that you, everyone is different and and then people you've got more individuals sharing tunes and that's how it works and this is where i have almost the bone to pick with like spotify or beatport or whatever the big because if you then play one track it will then all all it will do is just go oh i'm going to recommend something similar it will never really recommend any like it, it won't recommend anything other than kind of very similar to that you, so youtube's you, algorithm is brilliant for that though doing the good thing about it giving yeah, you something yeah. really it's along the right lines but something different like it'll just look at drum and bass let me show you some more drum and bass it does it that way so yeah they could definitely take some tips on spotify couldn't they yeah <laughs> some algorithms like youtube for sure mm -hmm. what would you class your subgenres? do you think if you had to if you had to put yourself in that box in drum and bass because everybody loves doing that i mean even my hard drive is categorized with that and i'll, I'll be honest I get my siren tracks. They go into a folder called just drum and bass because I cannot. Yeah, uh, honestly, that's what it's, not, it's too hard to be commercial, and it's too commercial to be neuro. It's too heavy to be jungle. Where would you put yourself? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> the answer is drum and bass because we do have sort of the yeah the the jungly aspects to the tracks. I wouldn't say we write neuro funk tunes. We don't. No. And yeah it's really yeah because it's just elements of we love absolutely love break beats so think breaks aim and breaks are the yeah. very paramount so it's, it's jungle jungle beats respaces heavy respaces heavy bases and so it is just almost like high energy yeah jungle, high energy drum and bass drum and bass I yeah. don't know. We don't. You know, know. I couldn't tell you. But so I know. Just call drum, it, drum and bass. Just call it Siren. Siren <laughs> and bass. Yeah. Oh yeah. We did actually have a question because obviously I put some things out on social asking about the question as well. But that your tracks generally do go into that. Just I cannot categorize this folder, and there's there's not a lot of tracks in there like it. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example of some tracks that fall in that folder as well. Um, Andy C's own productions. Mm. Some of those fall in that folder as well because yeah. you. They've got a bit of every element there to yeah. them as well. Yeah. So, I mean, is that purposely done by you guys? You try not to fall in line with that? Are you trying to add a lot of different elements to your tracks, do you think? Or I don't think that when not... we produce music, we ever think, hmm, what do we sound like or what do we, what category do we fit in? I think if, if, if we were to produce a tune and uh, we, we kind of think like, oh, when we're going to make drums, we want this style of drums so we'll always think oh we want sort of dance floory type of drums but and then you'll go off and make that and then you think yeah this is sort of dance floory drums 
and then we start making bases and we think oh we kind of want something heavy a bit like this track or this track or look at our oldest or some of our lots of work <laughs> half finished projects and go hmm <laughs> what, what can we take from that um no we i, I don't think we, we don't ever, intentionally we don't, we don't intentionally um look at other people and go we want to make something like like we want to we don't want to be this person so it's not like no sorry words james um we don't before we write a tune it's not like we look to go we want to be calyx and tv or we want to be audio because audio is audio calyx and tv is calyx and tv we are siren and what's our sound we but they will always get an influence sounds. of what we listen there's producers that i'd listen to and i like their techniques and i will go and i'll actually listen on a really critical analytical level to, to try and listen what's going on and what i can hear and work out okay what do we need to do if we want to do something similar but i do think like say we i wouldn't categorize it we're not we're not straight jungle we're not we're not neurofunk or wood and i mean i'd love to write a neurofunk tune and i have massive respect for the neurofunk guys because i think for me that's the technically is so difficult yeah. to nail yeah the liquid side i do like again i love the liquid side we i think we started with that on our older aliases so i would argue that liquid's one of the more easier it's a good way in it's a good way into in. drum and bass it's mm. a good it's definitely a good way in but yeah i always think it's drum and bass but it's got that sort of jungly edge to it uh and i think that's probably a good thing why why yeah it's drum and bass and i think there's times we can get caught up in subgenres. it's drum and bass absolutely it, and if you take a step back and you look at it like that then then it's brilliant and again sort of almost going back to like dj sets and stuff is the dj sets that we really love are the sets that have a little bit of everything and take you on a journey because there are some dj sets where they where yes do people want i like they just play a whole hour of dark techie drum and bass or just an hour of jump up drum and bass or an hour of a specific type of drum and bass and after 20 minutes i go bored yeah okay i've heard this now can we change it up please yeah. and it doesn't and i'm just and i'm sort of like mm, can we just take it up please i was like because i, I want to listen to some another spectrum of the drum and bass mm. and yeah uh, yeah, that's a great word spectrum of drum and the bass. best best nights or the best events that we went to when we were going when we were getting into raving would be the drum and bass arena summer barbecues because you had a bit of everything you had poland bryson pyrist i remember one yeah it, it was 2018 and it started with like uh, galaxy cove kyrist uh prototypes King of the Rollers came. There's King's, one of the guests. Yeah, this Surprise was 2018. Me. Benny House. This was Pete Foghorn um, time, and it was brilliant. And it was a bit of it was a day or a night of a bit of everything, and it was lovely. And I do wish, I wish, I'd love to see. I'm sure there are events out there that do it, but I think with the way that um, the the cycle that drum and bass is in at the moment, it's sort of geared to one sound which is good if you like that but i think after a while i always look for it'd be nice to hear something a little bit different okay so. when we'll fall to the floor end yeah.
Well, you, we talk about you're talking about neurofunk as well, and being one of the hardest genres to actually master under drum and bass production wise. Mm. And it is it, it it has a lot more technical elements than a lot of the other sounds. But why do you think it it probably doesn't get as much love in the UK? I mean, you look at the rest of Europe and the USA, and it is the prominent for the majority drum and bass sound. But in the UK, where we grew up mostly with jungle, it doesn't get as much love, does it? Not just by like maybe events putting the djs on but even by rave you know the number of attendances are nowhere near as big as a jump up rave or a jungle rave mm. what do you think adds to that what do you think it could be i think um i think sometimes i think actually it could be too hard hitting as in not that that's a bad thing but um it's sort of very much in your face doesn't let go mm. but i also think that neurofunk um can be very like say technical and great sound design but there's nothing there can be nothing in the tracks that hooks you in like a vocal or something but there uh, are so stuff like that though as well there is like, yes yeah you could easily get those isn't. guys on a big event and yeah it just uh like i say you can find subgenres under subgenres and neurofunk yeah you, definitely you and I'm, not, I'm not saying that there isn't vocal neurofunk out there but i think it, it, i i don't know uh is the honest answer but i do think that like you say i think it's just because of the history of of where jungle and drum and bass came into i think the neurofunk sound or the neurofunk that's big in europe is is just it, it's not clicked on the same level as jungle has and how drum and bass has but then you see what's going on in europe and and I think I, I think it's like the neurofunk is like the sort of the the techno the darker sound, which for Europe is more up their street. Um, but I yeah, it's a really good. It's again another thing you could have you could you could speak about this for for hours because it it actually makes you it makes you think. But yeah, it is a, it is a crazy one. And yeah, I mean I do ask this to a lot of people because again you 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 see you see audio and calyx tv going off main stage at let it roll and and things yeah. like that but you do see it at boomtown as well which is even much much bigger crowds and it, and it still goes off but it still kind of gets that varnish brush that yeah. it may be yeah too too hard maybe but even though it if you know it it, it doesn't have to be does it it really and you, think, and you think where it started from like a lot of these drum and bass tracks that, that we grew up listening to were the sort of the techie and neurofunk because they were licensed yeah. on like midnight club need for speed where you had mm. a lot of american artists diesel boy um black sun empire then you had grid uh gridlock um hive hive uh evil intent a lot dark drum and bass that got licensed out in computer games it's, I mean, it's, you look at house music. House music is the flip of that as well. In the UK, the most popular house music at the minute is the techno influence stuff, the harder end of house, yeah, which is tech. So, yeah. I mean, that, that like if you come to Birmingham, it's like a hub for house music, yeah. and the majority of events are techno nights. That, yeah. that thing now. So, and that's the crossover, like deep, deep techie house, tech yeah. house and things like that. It just, saying, that's the darker end of it. Yeah. See, Birmingham's become the new Berlin. It <laughs> is. There is actually a new place just open called Berlin Bar. And it's a, oh, they've basically taken the Berlin club and put it there. And they, oh, they have hard 
techno, like real hard techno mm. on there, you know, distorted just, kick drum techno, and yeah. they have, and then they obviously have your normal techno and things yeah. like that as well. So, but yeah, it's, I, also, it's yeah. I also think on the neuro side as well that it probably doesn't get as much radio support. And I do think that radio support, especially now, is so influential. It's, some people may not like the fact that drum bass is played on the radio a lot, but I've always uh, been an advocate that radio is very important. Mm. What Charlie T does on the drum and bass shows what Fabio and Groove Rider did, when it went from Fabio and Groove Rider to Friction, then to René Levice, now to Charlie T. I think, again, I think that's probably why Neurofunk um, probably didn't, didn't kick off because you, you, you got to think did it get played a lot um it didn't get as much support i mean fabio and groove rider were doing very well with supporting it in, yeah. in bits and then you had other certain shows but yeah in, in recent years it there is tracks that could be played there in support and they don't seem to have kind of got their love for it really at all no but then you've got then but then you take people like noisier and look what they've done there you go there they are that's the conundrum uh, the argument yeah, yeah yeah you look at that they are they are definitely one of the top five biggest acts in drum and music bass, in electronic yeah. music and yeah 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 so talking to radio shows you guys have obviously taken a brand new residency as well haven't you at cool fm so congratulations on Thank that you. i you. have been listening to the show it's absolutely phenomenal bootlegs and mashups galore of course as we'd expect um but you've had a bit of history before those shows as well haven't you obviously with data transmission and precessing that as well tell us a little bit about your history in radio yeah, so I started radio. Um, I think we used to do like funny radio shows. Going back to to take one step back about the whole online streaming days, yeah. we used to do our own radio shows, which were really funny. They were quite, they were silly and a bit stupid. But we used to talk over the mic, and I think that's where it started. We we, we used to play tunes and talk about them. And then um, I then joined. Uh, as a way to just sort of get DJing and, and out about, I then joined uh, a, a US-based radio station called DMB Radio. They're one of the longest-running stations, and I had ten year, uh, although oh, yeah, well, a good eight, not ten, about eight years doing weekly radio shows on there, um, which was great. I used to do Thursday nights. Uh, and then we did, I used to do um, at university, university radio. We also then, so that was the radio and just doing as a way to play music and you just build up your how to do radio and you just build up the confidence over and over again. And then we also had a run with BBC introducing as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, so the way I, my tracks actually got into radio through BBC introducing Cambridgeshire, and so one of my sort of sort of solo tracks tended to get played fairly fairly regularly on that. It's almost like a, a backing track because again of the just just the way that the track was very long, very progressive. It just made a great sort of backing track. But then occasionally it'll be a oh here's this this artist you know, synth force here's this track enjoy sort of thing. And for them being what 17, 16 at the time, yeah, that to then hear your, your tune on radio, yeah, BBC, BBC radio, radio effectively, like, yeah, it's massive. I was giddy with excitement. Oh my goodness, I'm on radio. What was your first radio play? Was it recent or 
is it is it going back a bit with your old art house and yeah. other music yeah so i had yeah so my first ever radio play was for me was a hard house track on the cut ski used to do the hard dance show on radio one brilliant uh, I, I had some tracks on there as well with my hardcore yeah. stuff yeah uh, i love cut ski um and then so but in drum and bass i'd like to say 2017 through the bbc introducing program which i just want to quickly talk about that for any producers that are watching this in the uk find where your local bbc introducing show is and definitely 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 upload your music to it um you it, you can do it for free you i think there's a limitation of how many tracks a month you can upload it's like two or three but what happens is each uh, each uh, county in the country has their own BBC introducing show, and it's a way of getting unsigned artists and just sort of they look through unsigned artists and people who upload, um, uh, and that's how we got we got in our first radio plays were from that. You told me about this, James, and yeah. once I heard about your track being played, I then uploaded it, and the presenter at the time. Uh, noticed because we were in Cambridgeshire and Cambridge was always quite fo uh, quite folk heavy um, as a genre folk quite folky or they used to do a lot of folk uh, tracks and then um, the odd sort of dance track but to hear drum and bass at the time was like whoa different so this so the presenter at the time um, his name was Tom uh, big up to Tom He's done so he doesn't realize how much he's sort of laid the seeds uh, for for where we are today but so yeah for him to have play he loved to play drum and bass because something different and he and he'd start to play uh, our music he would always used to play like james says as, as the backing track for when he talk over the uh, the show now you probably think oh your music only got used as a backing track but it's still class is classed as a play and then from there on um he then reached out to us and and we went so i think we went we went solo each the first time where yeah. we physically went down to do an interview live on radio uh i was bricking it yeah um so i'd like to say that was 20 yeah 2017 2018 and then we went together to then announce at the time that we'd been signed to ram because whilst the tunes were going on being played in the background we were working with ram and and writing the first few uh, the first release so we had to keep quiet on that but it was sort of like we were in this transitional uh, phase but it just helped get us more comfortable with being on radio and then being on bbc radio cambridgeshire for the introducing then helped with our my radio shows as well because you'd learn a little bit about being on radio and just presenting yourself because you have to speak live on air not every, some people you give them a microphone and it, it can be very daunting right when you have to um but then yeah and it, it's just sort of slowly evolved from there and yeah so then so basically you're almost so with your dmb radio shows is that then it was from the dj ransom deep radio show to then the the so I ran it, it did get changed yeah but then we sort of thought we, we then outgrew that so that yeah, we made a decision and made a decision to move to um data transmission so then we had that was then we thought right this is a great time to then almost rebrand that so then that's how we came with 
series one of Siren Sounds. And then um, whilst we were then doing that, occasionally we were asked by Paul of them to do an odd show or fill in for someone. Guest, yeah. Uh, or do a guest mix. And then they saw then the experience of us doing radio, the, the quality of our radio shows and went these guys yeah, they, are they, good. yeah they wanted us on and, and, and they, they asked us on. And, they, and, and they they asked us they said did you want to be on uh, as permanent residents because we used to we used to yeah we they used to we would i'd always do it because i always i always I love what cool fm doing and rinse fm uh, i used to help i uh, helped them a little bit in the background as well with a few things um um, but it was good to just finally get get in touch with them and when they came to us we jump on the opportunity and and do it and it's a, so we did that the data transmission shows were great a massive love to the data crew we yeah. loved it but it was it was a great chance because i it allowed me to go to take things up a level i wanted if i'm going away from doing something that i've done on a radio station i want to go up a level i've always wanted to be as good as i can and we were like right okay this is now we're not we're now doing a show where we have to sort of effectively pre-record but it allowed me to delve into radio production all the jingles i wrote myself stuff like that jingles stingers i used to sit and write them do voiceovers and then learn to uh yeah and then create scripts and do and do the voiceovers and basically edit it all together so that it's a, a finished polished show and then upload that um and and the more you do it the better you get and that's what i would say to anyone who's wanting to start doing radio shows or they just want to get into a mix series or whatever take your time have fun with it play the tunes that you want present it how you want to be uh, and go from there and for us we've always wanted to come across as like we are now very informal and just like as though you're speaking to the listener at the other end yeah yeah no I, i've got a lot of respect for that journey what you're doing radio i love it i love i love every aspect of kind of broadcast and things so like right. that I love it so much obviously doing this show you know this is obviously a big thing for me as well i love talking to people i've yeah. got podcasts out there for my labels and it's all content isn't it? it's all great content yeah. for a promotion side of thing um i was even doing comedy and drum and bass entwined podcasts about 10 years ago oh, you know before a few people jumped on it like high ranking so yeah i mean obviously being on cool fm that that's definitely a goal of mine as well i'd love to bring one of my shows to there so i love listening to what you guys are doing there and it always gives me some good ideas to what what to do with mine as well but your cool fm show obviously one big part of you getting that show is is obviously you're signing with ram and records the premier organization in drum and bass debatable to some maybe but there's no denying that history that they've got there yeah so i wanted to ask how this come about and what does the history around mean to you and actually being part of that now so how we got onto ram uh how we got signed to ram was um at the beginning of 2018 uh, they put up a post to say that andy c's compiling his nightlife series the seventh uh, nightlife series and they were looking to open it out to new producers so um, send a tune across uh, for consideration at the time we were we just transitioned we were trying some more harder bits yeah uh, we uh, a friend uh, a friend of ours originally saw the post and said josh james you should send a tune in i was like yeah we'll do that 
Um, and initially, I was like, mm, that team's not going to be good enough for Ram because obviously at the time you had the really big artists. So, I mean, so Focus, Delta Heavy, uh, Rain Levice had all the massive ones. And then you listened to our tune and you think, is it as good? And, I, and for me, I had a lot of self-confidence issues with the tunes that I was writing. And I was thinking, no, it's not going to be, as, it's, not, it's not as good as theirs. So we did, we wrote a tune specifically we wrote paradigm for it it was at the time it came at just a good time we were just changing um and we 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 finished up paradigm uh and sent it through uh and then didn't hear anything sent it through and continued on our way didn't hear anything back so i just thought oh well okay fair enough crack on and then um i'd like to say about two and a half months later three three months later yeah. I, I woke up to an email one day from the label manager to say um that about paradigm he says hi guys hope you're good love paradigm oh no he said paradigm what a bad tune now you think well hang on a minute mm. uh, at first i was like what is he saying it's no bad tune is it bad good bad tune that sort of thing and he and he, he pretty much said uh love this um this is going to be put forward to the short it's been shortlisted to the for andy to review the final batch um but he pretty much said if you have you got anything else any more tunes send them away and from then emails went back and forth um yeah for emails went back and forth over a year a very long time uh and then eventually it led to the first paradigm ep so paradigm uh the no laughter vip and scene savage um yes yeah. yeah, so that was a, it was a year just over a year of sending tracks through some didn't make the cut uh but we were just sort of they were working with us and we were at this point because we knew we were ran up right and, and we were pushing ourselves to get better as producers and and it just yeah and that's how it happened and then when the first ep just before the first ep came we went to see them didn't we yep uh, we went in, down to london to meet up so i'd always i've always been a person of we've been chatting for a while over emails it'd be yeah. good to meet up and actually just get to know each other even more uh and yeah so yeah we we met up in london and pretty much got signed the ep had been uh yeah we talked about the release schedule the ep got finalized and, and that's how the story goes for you then um you mentioned how long that journey was from here in paradigm to it finally getting out and getting signed up that year-long journey and, and one of the things i do hear from a lot of artists who get signed to big labels is the length of time it takes for the music to come out is there any advice that you can give on that in terms of you know kind of holding your nerve with it not getting pissed off and, and just having that expectation or do you think that you know really it, it can get a time where okay we're going to pass this track on to somebody else now because there's a big um, opportunity to be had but there's a lot of anxiety there over a year isn't it to see what's going on with the track yeah it was but i but i think from our point we knew we'd got one so there was uh without going into too much detail i think a lot of it was actually just getting a batch of tracks in and then deciding there were we we did have different options we sent a few more tunes there was potentially the option to go down program route mm -hmm. uh do a two-track single on a program route you had program 100 was going on in the background as well which big rig went for that but it actually, I think a lot of it was just trying to get a batch of music that they were happy with at the time that they could see having a long shelf life. But at the same time, when you're coming into it, it can be tricky because if you're coming, if you're starting out, you're 
the ability to jump up levels in terms of competency and production skills is is tricky and you think well paradigm was written in 2018 and then the final version of scene savage was a year later but it's making sure that it's not too noticeable um i would say hold tight and from our experience of releasing ram it's been uh the tracks are not written in a linear fashion of okay that the first release means that the track got written first it's all down to release schedule and what they do and yeah it takes a time it takes a long time but and also we had the thing of even the hardest thing is we couldn't tell anyone we could yeah. not tell anyone we were not allowed we had to keep this really quiet so imagine for 18 months only was our friend and our family were the only ones who knew so we had to continue we couldn't just go quiet on the ransom and synth force so in the background we were basically at one point we were doing a, a parallel alias release was it tunes. was it exclusive with ram as well yes, yes, it was. yes it was. so were you, were you allowed i mean obviously through that 18 month process until there's any announcement were you allowed to still release music and make music elsewhere yes yeah, so that's yes. where there's that's why the siren name was like this new project this oh, yeah. is what it's going to be um and from that point on from when we knew things were were um go uh, like with ram we basically we stopped writing music under our our, oh, yes. our old names but we were still finalizing up some eps and some tracks that we had with these other labels that again had them sat ready to go so we we then worked with them to just have this crossover period because i didn't want to uh we asked ourselves do we try and keep two names going it's like no you can't let's do it let's end the solo stuff it's been a great run we were and it sort of led to the siren project so yeah i would say it can be i don't know how the other labels work and some of our tunes took years to release i mean the yeah the first ep took a while but we wanted to get it right and then some tunes i would say an average was a year and then there's been some tunes where we've had a quicker turn it's all down to release schedule and you've just got to hold fire and not get too anxious and i think there is with the way that music's consumed these days it i can see why people are getting anxious but at the same time once you've finished a tune or a batch of tunes and you've got them signed brilliant move on move on to the next ones and mm. um, we have this mentality of okay stuff that we write now is going to be released in a year time so you always work a year a year ahead and as long as you're writing music that's all that matters and it and and the idea in an, in an ideal world is do you want to you want it so it's nice and regular releases um, and that's where you speak to labels build up the relationship with the labels so that you can get an idea of what their release schedule can work with and be honest with them and say to them if you are releasing with multiple labels keep them all in the loop about what else you've got going on so that you, they can try and schedule things you can work with them to schedule things and they can work with you because it's all about, it's about building a good reputation and the communication between the yeah. you as the uh, the artist and then the record label and that was one of the things that really helps us through that 18 month process was we were good at communicating with each other and yeah. um knowing where things were so it wasn't like we were just kept in the dark for many months and then out of the blue oh yeah by the way this has happened Sorry. yeah they were they were working with us basically what a and a and r they were at the time i didn't really know but we they were working with us and i learned so much because you learn how a big record label works and at the time and it still is 
at the time there was the whole of ram was being run by about five six people <laughs> it's and I was, at the time i was like wow it's mind-blowing how a massive brand and it's been looked after by a small team of people but i learned and that's the thing a chance to uh, with the label manager i would when we met up i'd ask him questions on things that he knows and the same with the uh, person who does all the pr ask her what she knows and just all this knowledge industry knowledge that you can take as an artist and actually when you go to labels and you've you've got an understanding of what the behind the scenes and music business side works mm. labels like that because it means you can work with them to make it easier yeah uh, and i learned so i've learned so much i'm always learning and and that's what it's about it's some artists it's very easy to send a tune in get it signed and then sit back and expect the labels to do all the work and then ex you talk right, about, okay. yeah you talk about all the learning have you got any plans to take that learning and create your own record label do you think that's going to be on the cards at any point not yet no oh, well, have we considered it yes yeah. have we thought that we have the knowledge and time to do it no no it's, it's such time consuming it's uh, respect to all the label owners out there it's so difficult and i'm organized but it's yeah. all it it is so many working cogs and it relies on yeah. other people and you may be organized but not everyone else will be on the same level as you and that can be one of the hardest things uh to do and that's why when we were work when we've been working with ram i've always been like if we need to be as easy and just be um if they ask us to do something do it right away rather than leave it to the last minute just you're right you're right with it definitely Be i mean proactive one of one yeah. of the main one of the main things with ram is it's organization you know one of the things that allows me to run three record labels is organization without that there's absolutely no chance of doing it so mm -hmm. to have those moving parts and that machine actually functioning right everything's got dates everything's got a schedule and as long as they all fall in around that you're okay and you can kind of every release okay we'll just throw that into that pot that pot that date that date and it just it, it helps a lot it helps a lot with the organization rather than just doing things on the fly for sure and, and definitely just want to say being easy to like try and be easy to work with as well because even though it is a massive scene is that you that that it's very likely that paths will cross in the future with some people so if you are easy to work with people record like they will take note of it and go actually i can rely on these you know siren that if we need something that they will do it do it quickly or uh, and they're easy to work with so that like in the future it's always they'll come to you as one of the first people to go oh we need something done these people these guys they're really easy to work with I'm sure they'd be happy to help let's give them the opportunity and that's how cool fm sort of came about because they came to us for scheduling and they're like we're really sorry guys but there's a space opened up did you want to do it you've got you haven't got long to turn around a show there was one time where we had less than 24 hours to turn around a show i said yes i'll do it and i pretty much the plans that i had in our lives uh, whatever we do i said to uh, i pulled it to one pushed them out and I did what oh, it was a, it was a long night but I got it done and I think sometimes I'd love to say that the whole music industry is very much organized but there's times where it isn't and it is can be a bit lastminute.com but if you somehow 
gassed and you can do what you can to turn it around people will remember that and opportunities can come i don't like doing it i like to be organized and have time it's yeah and it's, when you sat there trying to do voiceovers at two o'clock in the morning you think why <laughs> am i doing this but then it will but once you've it's done you then you've submitted it within the time and it's happened it's it is the um it is they will remember they wouldn't know that you've stayed up till 2 a.m to do voiceovers no. but but it's like they've come to us for a short turnaround and we've, we've produced it. something of quality within that time big so, thank you yeah big thank, thank you, you and they'll go and it's like a that you, you know some people might just take that and just never do anything with it but then some people will go will make a note and go these guys have really helped us out here and so we will you know if there's any opportunities going forward if new things that they do that then think okay who are people that we can rely on ah these guys this is we when we went down to to the to do one of our guest shows we got a chance to speak to the producers and, and we talked it out and they said they said this is why they've said you've saved you've saved us a few times because they want to they want to put they don't want to put a playlist on they want to put live they want to put live shows or shows on so that's why it's, and sometimes people can't can't commit to their uh in their original scheduling it happens so spaces open up and this is the chance to get your foot in the door and and uh, we took the we took the chance so yeah that's what i'd say to people don't get anxious things do take time but also it gives the time during this whole dub plate culture still exists i know that people it may not be as long these days but um it's still you can still give the tune out to people uh as long as you let the label know who's who's got it and then you can people start playing the tune and it's like, oh what's this tune oh it's coming and you get them hyped ready for the release how many times has the tune come out that everyone's been waiting years for the break remix of dillinger is a prime example that was on dub for donkey's years oh, weren't it? yeah for sure well this is all the present and the past we've not spoke about the future yet and i wanted to have a chat with you about what's happening for the rest of 2023 you guys have just had a brand new release on ram a nice big dutty single that doesn't fall as usual with any within any subgenre. but release wise gig wise what's happening for the rest of the year with you boys so the rest of the year so yeah we've just had a release uh, latest release ripper and then through three weeks before that we had bass face so we we had a lot of singles lined a lot of tracks lined up and we wanted to try and release a little bit more frequently um mm -hmm. so what's we've got another release planned in november a couple of weeks time yeah so we're thick and fast yeah. but it's we didn't want to do eps we wanted to do singles just to keep them uh just keep things going and let each track shine um and then yeah so that's for release that's we've got one release left for this year and then there will be stuff next year um yeah. we're working on things in the background nothing's confirmed yet for dates and stuff that we can say but we're working this there's, there's some unreleased tunes that have, that we've written that are doing the rounds so there's that and then gigs wise i think it's not confirmed yet but we should hopefully be playing down in brighton again at the end of the year at christmas we played there last year for the serotonin recordings at vokes that was really good really good very much enjoyed that it also snowed the next day yeah that was yeah. good fun um, but yeah we're looking forward to playing that um so that's gigs wise yeah, yeah events actually we're going down to uh is it worried about henry yeah we're going down Milton Milton Kings. Kings. oh yeah yeah end of october actually try yeah. and get back into yeah. going just going out to events again uh, 
club season. I, I I like club season. So we we pick and choose events to try and go out and just go out and have fun, immerse yourself, speak with people. I think that's a, a part of it. Some surround yourself in the scene. Um, we're not ravers that are out every week weekend, but I like to pick and choose and and just try and go for you. And it's always good to catch up with people as well. So yeah, and yeah, gigs wise, it's it's quiet, but I think. Um, with the whole gig situation we're doing the radio shows we're doing we're trying to line up some more guest mix as well the radio shows will keep us going we're always mixing and sometimes with things you never know what's gonna what's around the corner things can come in so yeah promoters if you want to book us get on to the boys that's great well listen it's been a fantastic time speaking to you about all this i'm going to end the show with almost like quick fire questions for you okay now what, what I mean by quick fire, you can give me an answer, but obviously it's, it's got to be the bullet pointed answer for this. It's got to be the first thing that comes to your head if possible. Okay. And you can you can both say the same thing, but I'm going to ask the question to both of you. Okay. okay. Right. So if it is the same, just say the same thing. If it isn't, say your own answer. Say the first okay. thing, then Josh. What's the most positive thing that's happened to you this year? Uh, played on Radio 1. James? Yeah, actually, that thirty-minute BBC One guest mix was amazing. Uh, elusive Festival twenty twenty-three. That was the best. So that that for me was the best thing. Big up elusive. Have you met anybody famous ever, Josh? Yes. Uh, I once we were at Goodwood Festival of Speed many moons ago, oh, yeah. um, and as we were coming in, um, we had to. It was a one-way, uh, single-way entry into it, and as we were all walking in this queue to get in, I noticed some some person was going up the wrong way and i was about to i was about to go turn to my mate and go this guy's going up the wrong way and it was two security guys and uh in between them was lewis hamilton <laughs> fantastic that, okay, that explains why <laughs> were you there james is that the most famous yeah, yes yeah i was there i nearly bumped well yeah <laughs> that was quite funny um i don't yeah i don't think i think we might have uh, recall maybe seeing an odd familiar celebrity at like, an airport once but i couldn't remember who it was so obviously not that memorable fair play okay what's the worst advice you were ever given josh oh you're gonna have to say who by if you don't want i don't know i can't remember if i was given bad ad- advice i probably took it and went no i don't agree with that and forgot about it so <laughs> i couldn't, couldn't tell you that's a good answer that's a good answer you got anything comes to mind james only something funny like eat yellow snow <laughs> eat it it's usually the reverse of that i mean you said bad who's advice. telling you to eat yellow snow somebody does not like snow. you somebody <laughs> does not like you if they're telling you to do it rather than don't eat it yeah, i'm okay. sure it's more of an insult than advice but um yeah. that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> yeah if you get given bad advice you tend to forget it yeah if, if that's an insult then it probably went like you look like you should eat yellow snow mm-hmm. that'd yeah. be the insult wouldn't it <laughs> but you don't the, don't worry i think one of the best insults is i wouldn't buy you a drink at the pub <laughs> <laughs> that's oh. a terrible one that's as in terrible that it doesn't happen you need okay. to be both drinks um okay josh one for you who would you like to see me interview on this show not that you don't watch every episode i put out of course mm. but who do you think should get an interview oh that's a really uh Tricky. Gotta be drum and bass. Oh no. Um oh so many people. Uh Mel. Uh yeah, Mel. Mel would be a good shout. Calix, Larry Calix. Um good. I'd love to interview Larry Calix. Yeah, and he, Mel, oh, he's, yeah. Really good. he's one Alex, of my heroes. Soul Intent. 
I think he would. Yeah, be, Alex Soul in ten. I think yeah, he be would great. be great on your show. Um, okay. And then Emma. Yeah, Emma. Emma. Yeah, Emma will be a great yes. shout as well. Who, who not to? There's so many great yeah. people. I would not say anyone it's, that it's all. Have. It's all about who's got a story though, and who's got something. Like I say, one of the main reasons I, oh, I wanted want to get stories and t- yeah, then yeah. TV or t- yeah, Calix or TV. There's um, some great stories. There's there, some yeah, because what one thing I do try and avoid with the shows is I don't just want to speak to somebody about the productions they've just started and the productions coming out and the gigs. Because believe it or not, not everybody in drum and bass is very interesting to talk to, unfortunately, when you're trying to get something there. But obviously with you guys, there's a lot of little nice tidbits that we can take from that. That's why I wanted to interview you. I knew it'd go well. The bootleg thing is obviously a big thing as well. I think that's a real good touching point for this interview that we had. So I'm glad we covered that. But um, last last one, if there was any track that you wish you could have made, what track would it be? And that could be any genre. Oh, any track that I wish I could have made. Um, now, the answer uh, usually is conflict, conflict Messiah would probably be a shout if I wish I'd made that or... Oh, Mr. Happy. Mr. Happy. And yeah. then for yeah. me, it probably would have been, uh, is it 808 Pacific State? Oh, yeah. Oh, Adam yeah. Circles. Oh, yeah, great tune. See, Mr. Happy, I think, from what, I, from what I've heard, he has a, does see that as a bit of a bane of his life as well. It's like a bad itch that won't go away type of thing. That's not me saying that. Apparently, that's come from the man himself. So, mm. yeah, take that as you will. It, a great oh, uh, yeah, I want, for longevity, I, but to a producer, it might not be. Yeah, I've just thought of one. Running. Um, I would have loved to have made the uh, Baseline Secret remix. Oh, Scout House. Scan, yeah, Scan, yeah. Actually, I would have liked to have made Spice Girls wannabe. That's one of the greatest tracks ever. And I'll tell you what. If you want money, that's definitely one that's up there financially, for sure. It's a really, it's a really good track. Late 90s. And also, if you've not seen, I do the sample videos on Instagram. But it's got the breakbeat used, the same breakbeat that was used in the Prodigy Charlie in it. And I'm love, I love stuff like track. that. There's so there's it's so good. There's a lot more crossover in pop tunes to like drum and bass and breakbeats, especially in like the late nineties. And yeah, what, what is it? An S Club Seven tune that has a think break in it. So there's nothing there's nothing here to do with you wanting to bang one of the Spice Girls. Then it's no, 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 no around no, the Charlie break. Generally, it's a good tune. Exactly. <laughs> I have plenty of tunes like that that I that I love. I'm, can, I'm we get a, can we get a yeah. rendition? What's your favourite verse in it? No, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> I like it from a production point. I think there's more to it, and the more that, yeah, like I said, it's got that nod to a slight old rave sound to it, which is something that I've always been big sure. into. And now it's making me think of like the prodigy Charlie would have loved to have made that. What yeah. and then yeah. stuff like yeah, Fat Boy Slim would have made like yeah. made like right here, right? Yeah, yeah. or Rockefeller uh, um, Skank. Yeah, so much. Like, this is a great thing about music, and I'll tell you as well, like. If you love drum and bass, listen to music outside of drum and bass. There's so much great music out there. And there's times where we don't listen to drum and bass. Or, uh, and I'll have times where I just don't want to listen to it. I want to listen to something else. And there's a good chance from a producer to take inspiration and influence from sure. anything. We've got, uh, what is it, Josh's Jam's Spotify playlist. Yeah, in the car. Yeah, so, so it's, a, it's a playlist that I made which has loads of tunes from like uh, that we grew up listening to from parents of the 60s stuff, 70s, 80s, 90s, a lot of early 2000s stuff. Uh, the only rule is there's no drum and bass on there 
absolutely none. And it's brilliant because it's on shuffle. It could be anything. It's brilliant. Go check that one out, people. So we'll leave, we'll leave it at that, Josh and James. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, maybe next summer I'll meet you up on uh, Ingemel's Beach for an ice cream or two. Definitely. Get out there, get on some donkeys, get on some roller coasters, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Still there. Yeah. And bring an umbrella because it'll probably rain. That's it. Well, thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you're watching this, don't forget to like and subscribe. Give us a thumbs up in the comments below. Talk about your favourite bootlegs. That's what we want to know about. That's what we're here to talk to the guys about as well. And also, don't forget Siren's latest track on Ram Records, The Ripper, is out now. Thanks, boys. Cheers. Nice. Thank, Thank you very, very much. much.